0: Hi everyone, I'm Pankaj Mishra, and you are listening to the Outliers podcast. It's a podcast, a series of conversations with outliers. You know, there are some outliers who are outliers by a, you know, far, far stretch. And I'm really thrilled uh, to be recording this conversation with uh, Aditi Mittal. I am sure all of you would have uh, been touched by her jokes, uh, her satire, uh, activism. It's a long list. So welcome to the podcast, Aditi.
1: Hi, Pankaj. I'm so excited to be here. because uh, I, I, I mean, you're right. Because I'm not only an outlier, I am just nowhere in the picture. It's really if you think about the general mass of things that happen. I'm not the exception to the norm. I'm not the norm. I'm just outside, um, and so I, I I feel like this is a this is a fatalistic meeting, Kandaj. Fatalistic. <laughs> fatalistic.
0: <laughs> okay, great. So let's uh, start from the start, like they say, "Shuru se shuru karte hain." Uh, you know, give give us a sense of uh, where you come from, Aditi. You know, give us a sense of growing up. Give us a sense of things that you picked up early and, and that you believe are shaping your life now?
1: Gee, so, I was born on a dark and stormy night uh, in... No, that is a lie uh, and a very cliched line. <laughs> I actually... I, this is not a dark. I was actually born on 12th of, 12th of November 1985 when... Uh, and it was Diwali uh, on that night. On 12th of November 1985, my mother was playing cards uh, as one does on Diwali and... Uh, the story I got to hear constantly after that was, as soon as she started having labor pains, she's like, "Yar, mere 300 so rupees, mere 300 so rupees, so 300 rupees," and apparently that's how they wheeled her into the delivery room. Uh, and uh, you know, and so I was born in ni- 1985. I was born in Mumbai, uh, and my claim to fame started back then. Uh, my 15 seconds of fame. I was born in uh, Juhu Nursing Home. Which is uh, right next to Amitabh Bachan's uh, house, uh, which wow. I I think he then uh, bought over and tore down and made another house uh, of his own on top of that. So I, I can say I was born in Amitabh Bachan's house, um, and uh, and I I lived sort of. I lost my mother when I was very young. I was uh, I was three years old when she passed away, and so then uh, you know I was brought up by my mother's sister, my Masi, who kind of adopted us. And uh, we were then sent away to boarding school. I have a, a, an older brother as well. And uh, we were both sent away to boarding school. He was in Indore. And I was in Pune. Um, and I was in an all-girls school. Uh, as uh, every father in India would want, is to put their daughter in an all-girls school. Um, and, um, you know, I think, like, I mean, if there's anything significant or even interesting, actually, from that time that I remember... Uh, was that just before I uh, went to boarding school for three years like from the age of three to about the age of six I was in Jalandhar, where uh, I were, I sort of was taken over by my grandmother for like three years um because my dad was you know what I mean what they euphemistically call must like <laughs> I <laughs> the so, uh, so, my grandmother was like, no, you know she's had diaper rash for two years now. So, you come and stay with me for uh, in uh, Jalandhar. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time in Punjab, where I, I mean, in Jalandhar, where I picked up this Hanji. Okay, hmm. it has not left me. Like, it, I now get, like, people are constantly like, what is itra Hanji? Bombay hai. And I'm like, it's so true. I don't know how, because, you know, my grandmother also, she was evil, she would take Soti. And just, if you, like, if she called out your name, because grandmothers, they can't remember anybody's name. And then they have, like, 740 family members. So then they'll take everyone's name before they get to your name if you're the youngest Oh, Varun. Oh, Tony. Oh, Sunny. Oh, Fluffy. She called me a dog, but I don't remember my And if I ever made the mistake of being like, huh? I don't know where the lady was coming from and she would be like, huh, who does that? bolo. please. And so I sort of, uh, I, uh, that is where I got this. Literally, it's a stamp on my DNA today uh, to say Haanji all the time. <laughs> um, that's that's my one significant achievement in those three years I was in boarding school in Pune uh, in St. Mary's and then I switched over to Panchagani uh, to St. Joseph's Convent uh, and uh, and then I came back to Bombay where I was in uh, Sophia College Sofia College which is another girls college I, so you know what actually till I was till I was in 12 it's such a fake una, like nobody in Sophia, uh, They call it Sophia College. If you ask (laughs) any of the girls who've been, excuse me, I went to Sophia College. I'm like, tell Sophia, Sophia, (laughs) Sophia. So uh, I went to Sophia. And, um, you know, I've been, I did like an all girl schooling pretty much all my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do believe that contributed very heavily to, you know, what I do now. uh, Because Uh, you know, I mean, even though of course there's a constant conversation whether mixed gender education is good or not. Um, I mean, in an ideal world, of course, that's how it should be that we should have boys and girls from a very young age socializing with each other and everything. Um, But I know that I developed what I think is a sense of shamelessness. Like, 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 I was the class clown, right? I was constantly punished outside the class. I was constantly the one like, you know, just yelling out snide answers and being a smart ass in the middle of, you know, class. And well, I used to love being punished just before lunch break. Because then I would be the, as soon as the bell used to ring, I didn't have to get up and be like, good well, afternoon and thank you. I would just run directly from outside to the canteen to get samosas. Because if like by the time the whole school would come, samosas would get over. Um <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> So I spent a lot of like, I I think it contributed a lot to my general sense of joie de vivre for the lack of a better word. I realized that if there had been guys, um, you know, I think I wouldn't have had that space to be an idiot because uh, especially in like cross gender socialization, there's a lot of these, um, you know, uh, sort of social indicators where girls are told to not be as boisterous or that ridiculous, Uh, you know. And then, and then, I mean, not only the girls but also the young boys will sort of reinforce those behaviors and be like, Mai ye zada hasti hai. you know, ye kaise hai. Um, And I, I feel actually very lucky that I did an all-girls education, uh, you know, all my life. And so, like, I, I know I have made some of my closest friends just behaving so stupidly. Like, all my best friends remember me as a girl who was like, like I when I switched schools in uh, to Panchgani, i was in ninth standard it was icsc and all and i was very nervous i was like oh my god you know ye, matlab, mujhe, like new school 9th ninth and 10th everyone's friends are already made <laughs> so i went and saw kahona pyar hai which had come out that year okay i saw it four no,
0: times i remember <laughs>
1: and i memorized the whole movie i memorized the whole movie like dialogue to song transitions everything i said like, don't ask me dad i'm in love i'm in love eh hey, and the like I, I was like, you know what, this is gonna be my one-woman show when I get to school. Uh, which it was like all my all, all my friends remember that, like, like what the hell was wrong with this new girl? She's acting like Ritik Roshan and doing equal ka Gina while all the other new girls are sitting and crying and feeling nervous and all. <laughs> I was just like, nay, nay, aise hi dost and uh and it really helped. It really helped and it, um, you know, I don't think in school, uh, I, by the way, is this, all of this making sense? I don't know, I'm going to rambling on my life experiences, where I'm, don't ask me, dad, I'm in love. you like, on other episodes, you'll discuss hope and fucking, like, important shit. And here I'm like, Are, you know, now I wrote five minutes in his little
0: no 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 this is this is valuable believe me
1: so um, so I sort of and, and I think it's cool you know I think it was also like I realized humor and comedy and all that stuff you had to kind of develop it in order to fit in right because mm-hmm. you you always wanted to be you wanted always at least you would talk about like I'm some third person but I always wanted to feel welcome in a room and I realized one way to ensure that was to be silly, was to be funny, was to, you know, make someone laugh. Um, and this sort of also translated like my dad, you know, when, whenever I used to, I was in boarding school and I would come back and I would sort of sometimes go visit my dad and sometimes I would stay with my Masi. And I would see like, you know, all the adults sitting around and having fun and i I just needed a way to be there, you know, I just needed a way to not be told the theja you know adults are talking over here so i would i was constantly like i was that person when like dad or mom would be like a you know uncle auntie ke liye dance karo I was that person who was like kansa genre Mary pass a you know compendium of dances and songs and hours ke liye entertain karumi so wo. I think that attention seeking behavior was sort of a, a childhood trait. Um, and uh, so then so then school happened, then college happened. And um, after college, I sort of, I went to the US for a couple of years. I went to the US to do my undergrad uh, because uh, I think it was, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's the syndrome of upper middle-class Indians ki, you know, my life very comfortable here, huh? Papa. So I'm doing too well out here. So I'll go there. Where I And of course my father, like any upper middle class father. Big aspirations, we to the US. You know, or US living the dream the or picket fence or, you know, greenbacks and all this stuff. And, uh, um, I think, but I've also, I sort of had a family history of being sort of disappointing. And so I went there to do, I had applied for a uh, double major in political science and economics because, uh, Minnesota, cause I, I was like, it's not science. Uh, and, uh, and because, you know, the scholarships were pretty generous and then, uh, I got there, and then I switched my major in the first week to mass comm and theater. Theater is what I went and did a fucking undergraduate degree. I gave American University for fucking theater. Like now, you know, in retrospect, and I, I had to wait for two years to tell my my mother. My mother too, she lost it. She lost because obviously I lost my scholarship the moment I got out of this political science thing and uh, economics thing. They were like, of course, the department was giving you these scholarships. Ab apna dekho. So then, uh, I was doing, I was an RA, I was a computer lab assistant, which is what all Indians do. Uh, and, I wow. sell, hanji, and I used to sell, and I used to sell sort of, what is those, palms and all late night uh, cafe main on campus and all. So, I mean, I made money and uh, theater kar liya and you know what, I could afford to have two part time jobs and you know all this nonsense because theatre degree What's that? okay it's grown as adults reading Shakespeare and वो भी मतलब आधा मन करके Shakespeare पढ़ रहे Shakespeare. or like just being like oh focus on your energy वो कोई calorie पायदान तो to रहे दो घंटे just anything anything just <laughs> Like, I, I if, so if anyone is listening to this and is thinking of getting a theatre degree, don't. <laughs> Please. This is, it is one of the stupidest things I did with my time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly really enjoyed it. But what a, like, I could have studied something else, is all I'm saying. I could have, like, done history or, like, I don't know, focused, like, I because I, I had an English literature minor. I could have done a nice major in English literature or, like, writing or something something instead of sitting for two two three three hours a week lying on the ground where the instructor's like you are bacon and i'm like okay now be the bacon i'm like yeah, 22 years old and i'm being the bacon (laughs) and i'm paying too much money to be the bacon on the floor (laughs) but uh and then i was sort of and because I was like, oh, I want to do Nautanki. And I, I, you know, so I used to go for auditions and stuff there. I did a bunch of musicals there. Uh, and I picked up uh, musical theater as, as one of my minors. Um, and then, uh, uh, of course, then 2008, I graduated. What a mistake. I mean, just globally. I wow. feel like my generation has what been it? in the ass time and time and time again. Okay, wow. 2008, mein, I'm graduating with a theater degree. That's so <laughs> <laughs> I I applied, I pretended to be like, ki main na ki, uh, I will uh, do dramaturgy in Broadway theater. I was the. And then uh, I, you know, I mean, I got internship ki, funds raised, you know, to put up some Oklahoma musical, this, that, and the other. And then, uh, uh, then and I'll be honest, OPT ke dos, do mahinome. I'm lying. OPT ke teen mahinome. I lost my job. I uh, started working with this uh, subsidiary of <coughs> TV. And just uh, say it starts with Z. Starts with Z. <laughs> so it was one of the subsidiaries. And um, it was a fitness fitness subsidiary. Uh, jahan pe wo jo baba, jo apni, you know, heavy breathing, karte hai, jo zi pe karte hai, we basically took those and refilmed them with a white woman doing it. And of course, and Kundalini and Downward Dog and all look so much nicer when a white woman is doing it. Then like when Baba ramdev is doing it, correct. So, and, and I really thought, I was like, matlab, and this was like the office I worked in was in the middle of the village and like you know log to lunch break yoga class karke aate hain koi apne matlab desk pe pregnancy ke breathing i was like wow you know this is a sort of really enlightened and beautiful environment to be in matlab hawa organic thi hawa organic thi offices ne. and because aise matlab 2008 mein tum organic hawa breed so you are going to fucking fail. so then the when the company shut down, uh, you know, I had about, I think, six, seven, eight months left on my OPT, which is the op- optional practical training. Uh, so when you go to the US, uh, they uh, the visa, the student visa is called F1 visa, which is the student visa. It qualifies you for four years. Then through the, uh, through the uh, course, you get one something called CPT, which is curriculum practical training. So then you have to do some job that's, uh, you know, related to your curriculum and you can get paid for it and then there's uh, and that happens in the course of the four years and then there's opt which is a one-year visa which uh, is optional practical training but it also has to do with your curriculum so i had about eight months left on my opt and a desperate desire to uh, please my father and a desperate fear of my mother telling me that i'm a failure so then, uh, you know, I stayed in the US. I was uh, living, I think, on top of a rat. Uh, my roommates were three more rats and I was getting paid in rats. And uh, I, I was doing everything. like I was babysitting. I was, uh, you know, doing manicures and pedicures. I was from house to house, you know, uh, doing... Doing pedicures and manicures uh, for diabetic people, which, by the way, diabetic pedicures—I mean, that's a skill set I have. What can I say? Wow! Um, yeah. And so, so I used to do that because, I, yeah, because when you're diabetic, your feet get really sensitive, and so you have to kind of be careful uh, when you're, you know, cutting the nails and stuff like that. Um, and so, I for a bit. With, you know, I think it was—I I was charging, I think, twenty-five dollars for like a proper uh, pedicure and uh, then obviously I sort of uh, was opt and medical insurance to tha nahi. Fir I was coming off a train and uh, mera paon phas gaya kahin pe. I fell down and I broke my nose and I realized that uh, you know I don't have the, the bandwidth to even pay for this like hmm. I, and, and that's I think I mean now you know when you hear about stories about what's happening uh, across the world I mean especially in the U.S. when people are coughing their lungs up and you know someone's like I'll call an ambulance their first question is oh no no who'll pay for the ambulance and hmm. the medical system the medical the healthcare system in America is so incredibly broken um, and so then and I, uh, you know, I was like of course, wo sun liya ki, you are a failure, you are a sucks, you are a balls. I was like, wo to sahi hai. Kya bolu? I can't even disagree at this point. And uh, during this time, I, uh, I started doing auditions uh, because obviously, wo ka and, um, I was not going to And I, you know, so I would go for these. Like, I mean, and anything, anything. Okay, it didn't matter what the thing was. Like, in the same day, I would do audition for Girl at the Back of the Motorcycle for ever ready battery to like PSA for Pani in which you're a wali who's sitting under a tree who's like mein hi <laughs> and I was eating like I think half a boiled egg a, a month and working out for three hours a day and I mean I like to look back and be like wow what amazing times <laughs> <Fuck that. laughs> it was horrible like we would go for, we would go for, you know, like, and I mean, so how the general auditioning and acting system in India, in Bombay works is that you sort of go around, you give your phone number to these, uh, coordinators and then the coordinator keeps texting you every day, uh, like sends you SMSs every day, key, uh, age requirement, 25 to 30, uh, you know, m- role, mother or daughter or sexy girl or dumb girl, um, and then uh, you know shoot dates, this this this, and you know uh, address of where you should go for the audition. So, din the. So, I was like, do, kardo, kitna bhi sakte I I remember the one that I was most hopeful for was uh, when I got a call for not a call, a message for a Dove audition. And I was like, yar, mere paas regular beauty to hai but this is scam I beauty and I beauty. said, I'm natural beauty. आ, natural beauty, आ, I, said, natural beauty I am full till the brim with natural-ass beauty. So then I end up outside the beauty audition natural beauty. And I'm just waiting, just smiling away with a winsome smile. that and then I just see like four just supernaturally good-looking women just saunter past, not even stand in line for the audition, nothing, just saunter past. Matla 90% jawline, giraffe wali neck. Oh ho ho, butla just I was like this is not natural. This is supernatural. Please. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, I mean it was. Again, as I said, like in retrospect, what a wonderful experience to be rejected time and time and time again, um, <laughs> which, uh, which really shaped me into the bitter asshole that I am today. Um, and, so uh, for a while and then actually I would like to, uh, uh, an exclusive scoop for the uh, listeners of Outliers. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Everyone. listening. <laughs> I just hear the <laughs> standing ovation. I came super close, super close to um getting the role of Pia Pia uh, in in uh, in, a, in a in a TV show called Piaar Ki Ek Nahi Kahani uh, by Ekta Kapoor,
0: okay.
1: uh, which was the Hindi remake of Twilight.
0: Ah, uh, okay. To- <laughs>
1: I'm telling, dude, when I got that, I mean, you laugh. I say, you laugh. <laughs> but you, you don't understand. Okay, I was like, I am destined for this shit. I am destined. Oh, that weekend. And so then they were like, oh, you've been shortlisted and all. And uh, you come in for a meeting with Ekta Ji, you know, next week or whatever. My God. I used to go in the morning to church, in the afternoon to church, in the night to church just while the church is closing, I'd be like, Jesus! Jesus! do in life. And then, luckily, I didn't get it. Uh, because I also started doing stand-up simultaneously. And, uh, you know, and stand-up, I mean, as it is. I Like, I've been doing it now, I think, for 10 years. And... Uh, so, uh, uh,
0: tell me how that happened, Aditi. Because, you know, I mean, <coughs> clearly, there are lo- lots of tragedies you know <laughs> 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 but <laughs> how good i would have so, so, how good <laughs> i would have looked as a vampire. nobody
1: cares nobody cares.
0: <laughs> so so how did life as a, a professional comedian start or you know how easy or tough it is to make people laugh you know I, I know it's a very simplistic question, but you experienced it firsthand. So take me through that life of a comedian. Like, how did it really start?
1: So, you know, actually, because I was... Uh, like, in the day, I used to go get rejected. And then uh, in the night, I would be desperate for any kind of validation, really. Uh, and at that time, there was a place called uh, Cafe Goa, where every, uh, Tuesday were open mics and uh, I remember seeing, uh, and, and one of the Tuesdays, I think second Tuesday of the month was a stand-up comedy open mic. And I remember seeing these guys do stand-up. And I remember being like, I can do this. Like, it, it never <laughs> struck me. I was like, they're all actually. And the thing is also, because my dad and my mom both are hilarious. Like, my dad, you know, is, like, my dad, I think he brought us up sarcastically. He... <laughs> He sort of like our, our growing was an afterthought in the whole process um, and my mother is my Mamasi is a you know she's a very I mean my Mamasi was also one of the first few women to do television production like she started working on a tv show called Nukkad uh, when she was oh. 35 yeah 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 uh, so she so because Aziz, Aziz Mirza used to live in A Block so in the building where I live uh, Aziz uncle, I mean Aziz Mirza used to live in the how fucking shady it is to be like Aziz uncle and so what I think I'm fucking Karan Johara so um, <laughs> he used to live in A block and uh, you know and so they were sort of childhood friends with my mom and everything and when my mom adopted us because my mom was a freelancer before that and when she adopted us you know she was like listen I, I need to get a more stable job because now these two kids are there in my life and I really want to take care of them and everything and uh, so Aziz Abdul was like, okay, you come on set then. You do this TV show. And um, so mom went and she started working there, you know, and so it's sort of, and of course, I mean, my mom, her language is like a sailor. Okay. That's where I get it from. For sure. Like, and I, I, I mean, initially I tried to police her. I was like, mommy, how tacky. Mommy, please don't use these bad, bad words. Mommy. What will people think and all? She's like, bitch, I didn't fucking bring you up to this age with money that I earned from fucking going to work from 7 o'clock in the night to 11 o'clock in the fucking night every day to hear you be like, mommy, bad, bad words. Go fuck yourself. And I was like, okay, that's (laughs) completely valid. (laughs) And actually, I mean, my mom had some some really fascinating (laughs) stuff to say about like language in general. Like first of all, she was like, listen, first of all, if you're, especially if you're doing like, if you're a production coordinator and you're a woman, no one's going to listen to you. If you're going to be like, saab please, Hamara, Madad Car DJ. She's <laughs> like, I, the crowd I was working in was not, Saab please, Thora, side Me, DJ. Like, and, you know, the other thing that I love, and, and it really, it always sort of stays with me is, she was like, dude, you know, who created what is good language? People who already have power, and so then and they want to exert power over you by saying that oh your anger is not valid or your language is not valid, and so they dismiss what you say because of the way you say it. Um, and yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, you know, you should find the balance between what you say and how you say it, and, and you know, and then only the world will listen, etc., etc., etc. I I realized I don't have the patience for it. I think I'm too. Um, I think I'm too impatient. I, the world that I live in, I really want it to become... Um, you know, the, the things that's, that I see that upset me or that upset the people around me. I think I am very eager to fucking fix them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have the time to be like, Baisab, please go, you know, Baisab, please up. Uh, disgusting, you know, uh, Rape mat ki je. please. I'm not going to be polite because That language you created to protect your ass. And I'm not going to fucking, you know, bow down to your shit. And I will say it and say it so many times till you fucking hear it. Um, And also, you know what I realized in the world now, there are many polite people. There are many polite people. So I will say the rubbish. (laughs) Okay. You be the polite. You listen to them now. But I I will make sure that my bad language and my anger reaches the polite speakers, at least. Then they can be your translation vehicle and you can be like, wow. How eloquent to those people. So, uh, so they both like they both have this, and my mother's very dry and very like I mean she's vicious, frankly. I, I I realized I was kind of used to trolls online because my mother was not left a stone unturned in telling me how fucking irrelevant I am. Like even with this whole lockdown thing and all, I was like, "Mummy, my creative." I will spend a lot of time exploring my creative. She's like, shut the fuck up. Just go make some money quietly. Nobody has time to sit and be fucking creative, you know. Um, And she sort of, and because she was single, she never got married. And, you know, it's it's sort of, and I think single mothers really are some of the most understudied people uh, in Indian society. I think that's where I kind of got it from. Like I got the sense of like being silly and ridiculous from my dad. And then I got this sense of like, oh, fuck yourself to the entire world from my mom. <laughs> and, uh, and I, so I went for these open mics as I was telling you. Sorry, mein, but a tangent. Pinnacle, right? I, you know, I the Bombay and the company that was organizing it was Bombay Electric Project. And I saw some guys do it and I was like, what's na." I jump up on stage, and because it's the first time, it's all like, "Wow, you spontaneous, hilarious!" Yeah, what a talent! Then, uh, of course, immediately, uh, you know, the crowd carried me off on their shoulders, and uh, by that oh. evening, yeah, by that evening, I had got my first Bollywood film, and then about the next morning, I got a no, I did not. This is all lies. This is a star kid story. <laughs> where they say that I went, I didn't even want to audition. I, I just went with a friend and then the director was like, oh my God, you look exactly like my best friend. Whose daughter you actually are. Come on in. Maybe we'll give you the role. But that's not, uh, <laughs> that's not how it happened either. I, so, you know, actually my first time, I kind of tanked. I kind of tanked and wojo gas thi in the beginning, he like, are, I, I can also do this. Wo nikal ga. But I think, mm-hmm. You know, in the first time also, like, there were two places where I got a laugh. And I thought it was addictive. I was like, oh, my God, I have to do this again. I have to try this again. Um, and the, the price to pay, which is looking like a fool in front of people, was too small. I was like, I don't, I don't mind looking like a fool. And again, which is, I think, a penalty that most women are not willing to pay. Because we're very scared of looking foolish. And we're really scared of looking bad. And we're really scared of failing. Um <laughs> And, you know, as I was like, sort of to connect it back with the thing that I was saying earlier, where, you know, being in a girl's school and sort of having a lifetime experience of failing, um, really sort of helped me maintain a thick skin about it. Um, Yeah. And... uh, and then Haji, and then you know, I sort of I was working with a couple of these, like you know, like a couple of the guys were doing stand up or during that time or whatever. So we would do these sketch shows and all that stuff. And I mean, you know, for anyone planning to get into the industry now, I would say because I think I stopped, like I went solo about two years, three years into my career. Um, and I mm-hmm. think the the career, I, I lie <laughs> because I was still getting paid in garlic bread. But um, you know. Like I think stand up per se is a very lonely profession, and if you want to stand up on your own two feet, you have to do it yourself. Um, having said that, if you want to be in the industry, then you have to suck the right dicks. Like you have to make friends with the right people, and I'm sorry, I guess that's not the business term. Suck in the right dicks. Don't. Uh, <laughs> that's not the that's not the Shiv Kera term, <laughs> but. Uh, You sort of have to, or or then be prepared for a tough ride, which is what I think, you know, I uh, like it. I think I'm in a place now that I think, you know, a lot of my colleagues reached five years ago. Um, And I would say, I would say that again, if you want to become the industry, if you want to become a part of the industry, I mean, do it. It's the right takes. Ain't nobody judging nobody. Uh, In fact, I kind of regret my sense of strong headedness and how like bullish I am on being you know the way I am because I've constantly I was like no I don't want to t- to share credit and I don't want to share the fucking brickbats either like if someone hates me then they hate me too. and if they like me they like me um, and so you know you have to kind of make that trade-off as it is I think I reckon in any creative industry is who you're friends with you know who takes a liking to you so, and then I sort of started doing this. I think, you know, uh, I, I spent a lot of time in the dark. I spent a lot of time. And I think that's what all comedians should do is spend a lot of time on stage because the only the only sort of thing that makes you good is spending time on stage. You can read 30,000 books on, you know, doing comedy. You can attend 40,000 workshops. I give one of them. Please attend mine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but there is no substitute for just getting out there and having your ass handed to you, time and time and time and time and time and time again. Um,
0: so, uh, how do you? Uh, Aditi, one of the things in comedy, and and I think you have also talked a lot about it, is you know when you are handed this again and again and again, how do you collect yourself? the broken pieces and come back again. I mean... Gee, badly, uh, badly,
1: badly, badly. badly. Uh, for, the, for the first two years, very badly. Actually, for the first seven years, very badly. Uh, because you don't know... And you know, this is one learning, of course, that came much later, is that you are not as good as your best show and you are not as bad as your worst show. That you have to remember. And you have to... Because also, in I mean, in comedy, right, you go to different rooms... You um, you know go to different cities. You go and meet different people. You perform for different companies. The only constant uh, in any given show is you and the five jokes that you know that work across the board. Right? The only constant is you, and so you have to make sure that that is strong. And strong, I mean, metaphorically means nothing really, but by strong it means that you have to sort of be able to bounce back quicker right go home I mean and I think that was actually like for the first seven years and because nobody else had done this before us right so we didn't have perspective and especially as a woman I had no perspective I didn't know who to look at so like like there were shows and shows and shows where like I would be like I'm never getting up on stage again I'm so done with this I'm done with this and then the next morning, I would get up and be like, you know what? I should give it another try. I should give it another try. And <laughs> like even the behaviors after show, like after show, sometimes when the show used to go really well. You'd be like, chalo, chalo, chalo. You know, let's go have a fantastic meal because today's show went really well. And then sometimes, you, you know, the show goes really badly. And you're like, chalo, chalo, chalo. Let's, you know, eat my emotions because the show went really bad. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> it's just like, Eating emotionally, like, I've lost 100 kgs in the past 10 years. Like, at this point, I swear to God, I'm a fucking rubber band, okay? Um, but, like, I only realize now. I only realize now that, okay, you know what? There has to be some kind of middle ground. And it's weird that in your personal life, you have to keep seeking that middle ground because on stage, you're actually seeking, you know, various ends of the spectrum. Um... And that can be pretty confusing. Um, but to, you know, it sort of it sort of happened because I'm also when stand-up comedy, like when we did it, it was a new industry, and people were just curious. Ki kya hai. So they would hire us. They would be like, kya hota hai? You know, tum log aate ho, fir tum gali leke chale ho, uh, ya yeah, you know, and we were cheaper to hire than bands for sure because bands aata hai, fir 50,000 instruments aate hain, fir uska 10,000 ki electricity You can't even, you know, whatever, like bands are more expensive. Uh, You're paying for the tickets of five musicians instead of, you know, one person. Stand-up comedy is just a mic and a person do. So it's cheap as shit. Uh, Which is, uh, I would like to say, a very good description of my jokes as well. And uh, (laughs) I sort of, I did that, you know, for like five, six years and then and, and it was also the same time that that YouTube boom was happening, um, yeah. you know, and uh, I remember being signed up by some multi-channel networks and stuff like that. And then just hating every second of it because I, I you know what I, I like I, I, I go, I go, now that I'm de- like in retrospect, I'm like, I hated fucking everything. <laughs> like there was very few things except going on stage and doing standup there were very few things that gave me joy um, and then I sort of also I think this is 2014 also when the uh, IT cell became very active online and yeah. uh, oh shit and I you know and I, I really like I sometimes feel like like the kind of abuse and the kind of harassment we got initially in those days was unprecedented I was not used to it and the kind that I got seemed specially catered to my fucking, you know, genitalia. And uh, I, I, I realized that, you know, the, the sort of psychological impact of that is something that I still see, like, you know, I still see somebody getting abused online or getting harassed online or like, like getting, you know, like just getting piled on or whatever. And it like, it is it Genuinely, I hope they do some kind of studies about how they have affected people, like how online abuse uh, affects people. Because I'd be very <clears throat> curious to see if. Sorry, you were saying?
0: No, I mean it's it's a very deep scar. I mean you're you're absolutely right about it, and and I think sometimes we we don't we think scars are like badge of honors, but at some point in time, uh, I, I think it does play a role, is what you are saying. But how did you? Uh, manage all that because I, I remember that time that you're talking about, and I Emma? and I remember, yeah, reading some of that. But you know, it's difficult to imagine for people like me. Uh, you know, I, I can't fake it and say, okay, I empathize because I, I can't. How did you manage all that?
1: Gee, very confusedly, frankly, and you know, I, like I tell you, it was a very interesting time for others, I guess. <laughs> but but uh, it was a, it was very scary. Wanted to get those threats, that abuse. Um, and then at the same time, at least now people stand up, like when they see that happening, you know, there are more tools available. You can block someone, you can mute someone, you can report someone. None of that was available. And also people would just be watching because also people didn't know how to react. Like, you know, now we can jump in like on behalf of someone being harassed or bullied or like getting rape threats online. We can sort of jump in and be like, Hey, you stop that or say something smart ass or whatever. But at that time, even that network didn't exist. And, you know, and especially actually since the lockdown, the, the amount of abuse I wake up to every morning on my tweets, on my Instagram, on my YouTube videos is like, holy shit. Holy shit. I tell Like I, in fact, in the middle, I was, I'd gone through this diurnal uh, sleeping phase where I was sleeping from like 10 to 3 and then I would wake up from 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock and then, you know, I'd either sit and read something or like check my... Mail or whatever, I stopped doing that because I realized that I will be seeing like just like whatever, 60 fucking males with just people being like, you know, fuck her and ass and chuti aurat and and all this stuff. And so like I mean, you know, I think what it's like India's <laughs> India's sort of universal pastime is to kind of like abuse people online. If anyone says anything negative about Indians online we will show up there to prove them right. So, um, so I think, you I you mean, it, it affected me. I think in a way that I kind of withdrew from, um, like the kind of play field that it was, I think about like 2015, 16, I just withdrew a little bit. I was like, you know what, I'm not gonna use this as a space to fuck around, um, you know, because earlier we would promote our shows really heavily. We would be really silly. We would interact with people, and then after that, I was just like, let it be. Like, this is not. And and of course, there are scores of people who run over to tell you, no, no, just ignore it, babe. I'm like, really, wow, this fucking life changing advice. I've just ignored it, babe. You think I didn't think of it, sir? Um, <laughs> but I, but I know, and I know a lot of, I know a lot of women like experienced that during that time. Um, even today, you know, I mean, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find too many videos um, by women doing stand-up uh, in India. Uh, I mean, in comparison to the men. Because uh, the, the sort of, the comments are always heavily gendered and they're vicious. They're vicious. Uh, for no reason at all. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, and then of course, I, uh, Netflix happened. I think that was sort of a, a, a changing point in my career. And you know what? I realized this. I spent my entire career reacting to things. I, you know, I mean, like they got in touch. They were like, hey, would you like to do a session for us? And it was sort of like, because I think, you know, it it cuts off your even ability to dream or your ability to have ambition. That like, oh, you know, I can also do this. I can also do that. Um... So when they came to me the first time, I was like, "Wait, what? Why? Like, what do they want? Why is? What's wrong with them?" Um, <laughs> and uh, and because before that, I had re- I had released like two sets online. I'd release hardly any material online, and I continued to release hardly any material online because like on YouTube, it's just a sh- it's like a fucking bloodbath, okay. So um, you know when Netflix came along, and I think that was sort of a change a changing point for me, uh, and. After that, it's really been sort of one thing to another thing to another thing. And I would like to say I have had control over it, but I really have not. I've, uh, I mean, touch wood. I'm damn lucky that way that, you know, uh, I've never had to hire a PR person. I've never had to like, you know, uh, I don't know the things that people do to stay in the news. I'm just like, I've realized now, you know, newspapers will pick up some random tweet of mine and make like you know, fuck all these, you Aditi Mittal rants, Aditi Mittal rants. I'm like, do, do I even need to do anything? I just have, I, I just have to tweet and they will make fucking articles out of it. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know, a lot of my career so far has been, like, I think like for the, for the longest time, I didn't have a manager. Uh, and uh, because again, I'll tell you actually what my problem is. I think... I don't think I like to believe that I am like stand up comedy is sort of an anti-establishment art form, right? Uh, You can't be the cool kids. uh, If you're going to be the comedian, the comedian is the person at the back of the class pointing at the cool kids saying, ha ha, look at them. And so the entire idea of, you know, please speak to my manager. And like, you know, Makeover, please, I want a business class ticket and I want to live inside a long boat in the course of this project. I'm like, you pay me for my work. That's all. That's all. I don't need to travel business class. I don't need to live in five-star hotel. I mean, I find that, I find it a little like, uh, what is the word? Paradoxical to what the job we do is. Um, and also because it, then it ends up becoming that if you're, if you're the type that's like you know, oh, I, I, need, to, I need to only wash my hands with uh, Shabana Azmi's tears. So you have to bring me you know, seven bottles of her tears so I can you know, like I I me. <laughs> I, I, which is why I said, I mean, nobody take any advice that I am giving in this podcast seriously. In fact, I would suggest you junk this episode because this is a total what not to do episode.
0: So one thing that you said is, you know, the trolling and abuses and and all of that. Uh, you know, you kind of withdrew, but it's still uh, un- not you know manageable, right? In that sense, you you don't have answers to that. Like it, it, it's like you have to exist with it. Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean. That's the thing, like I earlier I used to get damn upset. I used to get damn upset and like, I would take it very personally. And then you realize that you are looking looking at time pass. Kar rahe and you can flip it around. Like I flipped it around several times, where then I'll just engage in a conversation. Kaise chal rahe, bhai? You know, Bada man, manta hai. Like, then you're just like, okay, then I'm going to dick around with you because I time um, <laughs> But it never sort of, Mm. like, it never sort of leaves you. It becomes a part of, and then you, especially as women do, I think we're taught to be so defensive. Um, And I think for for many years, I was only defending myself, defending why I can get up on stage or why I can occupy space online, Uh, which is weird because I'm still a loud-ass mouth with my foot in my fucking mouth. Um, But that that sense of, like, oh, I need to justify, uh, you know hey, guys, I'm a woman. Um, so you might not want to listen to me, but I'm funny. Hey, yo. Like that that need to, uh, again, as I said, justify your existence is something that I learned, yeah. you know, from the internet because I was like, fuck, if I don't justify it, um, you know, I'll be brutalized.
0: I, I also noticed uh, the women uh, in labor podcasts that you are doing now or, uh, you know, one of the things, I mean, yeah. we all know that it's a big problem, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it is a big problem, uh, and I have seen it firsthand. Uh, I have seen it uh, in my tracking. So, so take me through it. You know, why why are you doing that? And and can you talk a little bit about that problem?
1: Do you know? As I was saying, like I think it in fact bothers me when uh, when the craft of comedy or just being a comedian is is not anti-establishment. I think it bothers me when we try to. Um, Like, I mean, every time the mic is in your hand, you have to kind of make it worth it, right? And so, um, uh, Christina, my co-host, McGilvery, she got in touch with me over uh, Facebook chat, which is a weird place for uh, friendships to start. Because, again, it's normally just people being like, hey, nice boobs. Um, And so, I was like, hey, someone who didn't compliment my boobs? This must be weird. And so, she's like, hey, you know, I want to talk about women and work and uh, and i was like wait is somebody calling me unemployed i was like this is unique trolling this is unique trolling uh (laughs) and i didn't respond to that message and then i get an email afterwards on my like whatever on my website which is saying you know hi my name is justina i'm a journalist and you know uh we want to make a podcast with you and we got in like we started talking and uh, she sort of you know directed my attention towards this and i could not believe this was happening frankly in fact if anything i mean you know the the constant conversation makes you feel like things are improving right because you think are, nahi, nahi, it's only getting better it's only getting better might be very unsafe but women are out on the streets and working like never before um and it blew my mind that this was happening and because I am a working woman, my mother is a working woman, I realize my lifestyle, my mindset, her lifestyle, her mindset, her ability to bring me up as a child would not have happened if she was not a working woman. I would not be possible without her. And I w- she would not be possible without her work. And I could not believe that this was something that hardly anybody was talking about. That is one thing also that just blew my mind straight out of the water that we were busy talking about other crap. Oh, Jeff Bezos came and he hugged that one. Mark Zuckerberg came, usne usko hug kia. I mean, even business news today is mostly this guy hugged that one. The hug of diplomacy, hug what the fuck are you talking about? Just to make it sound fucking sexy. <laughs> and you're a business paper, you know. And I mean, I think it's also sort of, It's a conversation, I mean, this is a much larger conversation about the way our reporting has changed. Is that so few, um, like so few, and and that's what I think actually your work, uh, Pankaj, is so incredible because you are the heart behind the tech, you know. Uh, This is not about
0: me. You're
1: the person behind tech. But sonona listen. Who are you chartering, Please. Agar, if you're giving me money for it, haan, <laughs> think, But I think, no,
0: I think, uh, no, but, I think but we that's connected first. It is. Uh, is the
1: humanity behind yeah. was, it, was it that Mahesh Murti article? Because I, I remember yes, reading yes, that and just so, being like, oh my God, yes. someone is reporting this. Yes. Someone is reporting yes, this. What's the What's the What's the What's the and I, when I read your article, because you were one of the first few, and Pankaj, you were one of the only who reported it at some length and with some sense of gravitas yeah, that these are human lives that are being yeah, affected he, by this behavior or, or whatever it is. And,
0: but that's our job, sorry? To, to do a series of stories. I mean, what I'm saying is most of the times uh, reporting is transactional, right? I mean, there is one story and then everybody moves on. But journalism actually is about keeping at it for a long time. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense.
1: Because the world that I have grown up in, or at least the world that I have been watching, seeing journalism in, is this shit show, hot mess, that you know, unboxing video is newspaper in the newspaper. I'm telling you, nowadays, like in between the PR fucking releases, somewhere they'll have one Churan ad. And that's fucking, you know, a newspaper today. It's true. Let
0: me take it's you back <laughs> No, it is true. I, I absolutely agree with it. And it, it saddens me also as a professional. But let's come back to women and labor, uh, Aditi, because I think that's, that's I, really, really to connect
1: important. It to, that, to connect it to that, right? To connect it to that, I was shocked mm-hmm. that there was nobody talking about the humanity of the female labor force. And as, especially, I think, yeah. Indians, post-1991, we have been covered in this veneer of liberalism uh, you know and I say veneer and I mean veneer because the the sort of bottom is still very overly traditional overly uh, sort of um, I, and I would say regressive not even traditional because it's you know uh, an insult to the word traditional but it is outright regressive and especially women in the labor force have had to struggle like like sort of straddle that line Constantly, constantly, and I'm telling you actually, since the time I started doing stand-up and I released my first video that I released uh, was on sanitary napkins, right? And I and it went viral and maha se, se message yaha and all this stuff. Hanji. And I remember distinctly that there was a class of emails, and I say class of emails because there were several like this where women were messaging and saying, Aditi, can you write a set on this? That uh, you know, my husband and I are both working professionals. We both contribute 50% of our salary to the house. And yet, when I come back, I have to do the the dishes, the cleaning, make the chapatis, cook the food, take care of the in laws, take care of the children, while he just goes off and hangs out with his friends or watches TV. Can you write something on this? And I remember this, this was 2015. And I used to always wonder I I have not personally experienced this. I don't. I don't know enough about straddling that line and therefore writing about it or speaking about it authoritatively. But you know, I mean in India we sort of are stuck in this Devi versus Dayan sort of complex. And um, and and the Indian working woman has a fucking work cut out for her. Which is why it is understandable that, you know, what it's either increasing, I mean that, that, that it's decreasing drastically. And I mean, my top learnings, really, I think, out of this experience were... um, Like, I think actually the craziest thing was the people that we interviewed. It was crazy that we even managed to squeeze one hour out of their time, okay? Because these were working mothers and working professionals. And we were just like, you know, like, finding scheduling time for them to talk about how they don't have time was, like, ridiculous and impossible. (laughs) And it really indicated... (laughs) it really indicated that a woman's work is never done and uh, you know and then we sort of like I mean I mean among the many sort of uh, as I said sorry coming back to the the many learnings was one that you know and I think I mean the conversation has sort of sparked itself during the lockdown where it's like you know men need to help out during in the house is that uh, yeah. out of uh, I mean, there's this thing called unpaid labor. Unpaid labor is basically the kind of work that women do that doesn't really result in capital. um, You know, this it's unseen capital that it generates is you get clean clothes for the next day for office, you get well-fed children for the next day for school. That unpaid labor, the difference in in, and and the difference is highest in India. Uh, A woman, on an average, does six and a half hours of unpaid labor in a day. And, a, and men on an average in India on a, in a day do 45 minutes of unpaid labor. I'm telling you, I was reading wow. that what? and I was just like, can we throw them all away and start from scratch? Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine that forty-five minutes versus six and a half hours? <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, just, I mean yeah. then of course, I mean, you know, we spoke about the biases in the workplace, whether what like one of the most startling ones was the motherhood penalty. And the fatherhood bonus is where, you know, women entering the workforce, you know, whatever. First of all, entering the workforce in your late 20s means, or early 20s means, that the first question will be, are you ka And you're like, man, I'm looking for a job. And no, no, such a pretty girl like you, you should, uh, you, you, you might be getting, you must have a boyfriend. Sir, how is this relevant information? But, I mean, you know, we're, we're treated. And I think it's actually, you know what to me the craziest thing is that India has not been able to figure out whether it wants its women to be economic agents or reproductive agents. And on that intersection today, we are the, and I would say the upper caste, upper class, and middle class Indian woman is stuck, is stuck. I mean, the condition for, of course, you know, women of lower class and lower caste is amplified i mean because upper caste and upper class women are oppressors and uh, bosses of lower class and lower caste women and i mean that is a whole other dynamic that you know you we will need a podcast series yeah. to explore in as well yeah but uh, yeah <clears throat> but this but this solely you know the the sort of problems of existing in two spaces is where i don't know whether to tell you that you owe the family a child or to tell you that you need to pay your taxes. I don't know. And, and I think that's I mean, that's that's what the, you know, there was that interesting article about how the line between uh, Gurgaon and Haryana is very sort of indicative of the position of women in society today because right next to these high rises where girls go to work and, you know, wear pants and you know, have high, you know, expensive cell phones, literally live next door to men who are farm workers and who are not used to seeing women out in public. Um, And if they see them like this, you know, they will sort of think of them as low-charactered or, uh, you know, available. And so, I mean, that paradox is something that we've really tried to uh, vocalize because I think vocalizing is the first step. Um, And and actually the response to it has, you know, sort of, uh, it's, it's indicated that is that so, I mean, like, I mean, uh, every time we release an episode, we get like a really long and really emotional email from someone just telling their story. Um, And like, I mean, as I was uh, talking about, like the motherhood uh, penalty and the fatherhood bonus is that, you know, a mother is considered sort of a lesser worker. When uh, you know when she's in the workplace, um, whereas a father is considered a better worker. Um, you know, as soon as he goes back after having a child, because you're like, wow, he he popped out of fucking he didn't even do the damn popping out, you know what I'm saying? Um, um <laughs> and because I mean of course of conventional things, na, ki, uh, he is the father, is normally the provider, so everyone feels like a bonus because lot of money, etc. etc. I think the most interesting part of uh, but it also sort of reinforces sorry, it also reinforces the conventional heteronormative family structure. Then it doesn't accommodate someone like my mom, who was a single mother and you know, who was never married but. Had two kids who were dependent on them. Um, and, and let's face it, I mean, we have more single women in the history of India, uh, as, like as a mass, than we have. So we, we have more single women today than in the history of India. I mean, frankly, because women are never a fucking vote bank, which sucks, because women tend to vote according to the men in their lives. Um, but if you really made a single vote bank of fucking single women you know this might be an ideal time for it this might be an ideal friggin time for it yeah. I, and I think the the conversation that sort of to me that rang out most personally was the conversation that Indian women have with themselves I mean we carry a lot of baggage we carry a lot of baggage about you know the work we do like I, I constantly even the jokes I crack I mean, now I guess this is coming to the Mandharak part of the process. Where, like, you know, I, I crack a lot more self-deprecating jokes than any guy that I know. A guy would never say some of the things that I'm saying about myself as a fucking gag. Because I know that, you know what, and I'm defensive and scared enough that, like, I know that I should say it and get it out of the way. Because I'm so scared that am not is thinking me. So I'm going to say Um... You know, being like having constant imposter syndrome, you know, downplaying your achievements, um, acting like, and I mean, I I realized like when when we started doing this podcast also, ironically enough, you know, Christina, my co-host was like, I said, okay, you know what, I'd I'd, I'd love to host this and it'd be really fun and everything. And then uh, she said, yeah, and we'll find you a nice uh, co-host for it. We'll uh, get a nice journalist who knows something about it. So... (laughs) I was like, sister, again, <laughs> What about you? <laughs> I want you to host it. And She's like, what? <laughs> me? And I was like, okay, that's one of the things now is I'm going to make sure that, you know, you don't talk yourself down. And she does that a lot to me. Like, even when I'm sort of like, like just going off on myself, being foolish or ugly or dumb or whatever. She'll be like, you know what? That's It's funny, Aditi, but shut up. And I'm that, like the internal conversation, I think, enriched me so much personally like now i know i can call myself an asshole and a dumbass and fucking you know brain dead and everything but i know i can do it like I, can, I do it with with more confidence i do it like in a way that the person in front of me laughs because they're like she's definitely not stupid she's quite smart actually um which i know is what you're thinking fuckers thanks um <laughs> so it i think to me that was good <laughs> that was sort of the most delightful part of this podcast was not only situating the Indian woman in the workforce but also situating the Indian woman in her own head and what holds her back uh, what you know springs her forward and and of course then in all that gassy language it was a space, safe space where we opened our hearts and l- lols and girl power and sisterhood and community building and We had only one guy. The whole team was only women. And it was fucking amazing. One of the worst things about working, I I wouldn't say worst, or should I say best things, was that nobody interrupted anybody. Do you know how weird that is, Pankaj? Do you know how weird that is? Is that we were all speaking fucking one full sentence at a time and then almost stopping like, nobody has to interrupt me. Oh, okay, I can just... The problem was then everyone spoke in three-three paragraphs. (laughs) That was the problem (laughs) after that. Then we were just high on the sound of our own voices and we were like, Are, yaar, tum I mean, kind of exactly what's happening on this podcast, right? <laughs> then we were like, Are, you said it, <laughs> let me say. Um, but it was truly, I and mean, it was truly a fucking delight. It's truly a delight.
0: Yeah, No, no, I'm, I'm going to keep a tab on it because I think it's a very important initiative. And I mean, as for the podcast, you know, I, I think, I, I believe in these being more conversations, like if you and me were, were to meet, uh, this is how we would talk. People overthink this whole podcasting, thinking that, okay, it is some kind of format and all, but it's just a conversation. So, which is what this was oh and, and, you know, you know I really loved it. Put? And
1: uh, <laughs> What can I say? I'm delightful. Bona, <laughs> 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 the thing. Is, um, <laughs> I don't but, but like, it was, you know, that, that was that was a stress that Christina had early on. She was like, oh my God, what do we do? What do we say? You know, do we this thing? Do we that thing? And I came off as a complete asshole in the beginning. Because I was like, listen, relax, yeah. Just like a casual. And she's like, no, thing. You know, you sound like a douchebag and you sound like, an, you know, an unprofessional asshole. And I was like, can we just hold it together? Like, we have to just talk to each other. I'm telling you, people will be delighted that... Yeah. They get to talk. Um, and, I, and I think that also, like, it, it leads you to say some really like, like I had no plan to talk about trolling this time. But because you let me go, you were like, what's up, say it. I was like, yes, it's okay. I'll talk about this because my heart has a lot of effect. I just withdrew it to myself. <laughs> and you're like, this is unnecessary. <laughs> <but okay." laughs>
0: no, no, no. This, this was all important. I, I think my idea was to, kind of have a free freewheeling conversation uh and unplug you and and more importantly this this podcast that you're doing is is really something and i like i said godspeed with that it's also good God Good. good uh, thank you absolutely you know uh and this is also a good time to wrap this up uh, uh and uh thank I you for uh talking to me <laughs>